Well, welcome to our evening service tonight. If you want to stand, we're going to get started by singing in page 194, Jesus is coming again. Marvelous message we bring, glorious carols we sing, wonderful word of the King, Jesus is coming again. is coming again standing before him at last trials and trouble all past crowns at his feet we will cast Jesus is coming again coming again coming again maybe more Oh, there were only two verses of that. <laughs> well, it's good to have you all here. Uh, thank you for being in church tonight. And uh, let's go ahead and go to the Lord and ask his blessings upon our time together. Father, we're grateful for all that you've already done in our midst uh, during this uh, day. Uh, Lord, uh, we thank you for the song that we just sung. And we do look forward to that day when uh, you will come back for us. And uh, we would love it for it to be today. And uh, But, Lord, help us to be faithful until that day does come. And I do pray, Lord, that you'd bless this service in a special way tonight and that uh, you'd speak to our hearts and that we would uh, walk away from this place uh, having met with you and um, making decisions to uh, better our relationship with you. And, uh, Lord, thank you for our church family. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to grow spiritually. And, uh, Lord, you'd help us to be effective as we reach out with the gospel. And uh, we just pray, Lord, you bless the rest of the service now. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Uh, remain standing as we sing out our next song. Uh, 881, Give Out the Good News. We learned this a couple weeks ago, and uh, we're going to try to learn it again. And uh, Brother Blake's going to come lead us in that. The words, of course, will be on the screen. God has told us in his word of Jesus' power to save from sin. We must tell this news to all, every great soul to win. Give out the good news to someone today. Tell them of Jesus, the truth and the way. He conquered the grave that all could be saved. So give out the good news today. Can we do the first verse again? I think that might be helpful to me as well. So 
God has told us in his word of Jesus' power to save from sin. We must tell this news to all, every precious soul to win. Give out the good news to someone today. Tell them of Jesus, the truth and the way. He conquered the grave that all could be saved. So give out the good news today. When we stand before God's throne to give account for deeds we've done, we'll with you that you brought to God's dear Son. Give out the good news to someone today. Tell them of Jesus, the truth and the way. He conquered the grave that all could be saved. So give out the good news today be seated. And that's a great uh, song to remind us to give out the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ today and tomorrow and throughout this week. We do have flyers on the table for you to use to help you along those lines. Um, okay, our memory verse for the month of October. We did have one taker uh, this morning. Thank you, Miss Catherine. Did a great job. And uh, anybody else like to give that a try? It is a little bit of a harder one. But anybody? No hands. Okay. You're all waiting till later on. I see. Okay. Let's go ahead and say it all together here. Ready to begin. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt weigh make prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success, Joshua 1.8. All right. And uh, so a couple of quick announcements. Um, remi reminder about the uh, service on Wednesday night uh, at 7 o'clock, uh, normal service schedule uh, that night, uh, children's services, teen services, and adult service, um, and that'll be great. Then Saturday, we do have the ladies' brunch uh, coming up. And uh, several have signed up for that, and if you still haven't signed up, please do that tonight. That way we really kind of have a firm idea on who's all coming and numbers and all of that. So uh, 1030 to 1230 on Saturday, and uh, my wife will be glad to answer any questions you might have. Then uh, the big thing is this coming Sunday is Old Fashioned Sunday, and according to Brother Randy, it's going to be a hoot. I learned about that uh, this morning, uh, but... Uh, want to remind everybody about the schedule on that. We're going to have normal Sunday school, morning service, and then right after that we'll have dinner on the grounds and the games and festivities. And then about uh, 1.45 or so we'll have our outdoor afternoon service. We'll not have our evening service. That evening service is going to be moved to the 1.45 time slot, and uh, then we'll go to about 2.30-ish and uh, then after that, we'll be dismissed, and if you're able to stay and help clean up, that would be a blessing. If you can't, that's, that's okay, we'll get it. Um, but uh, that's kind of what next Sunday is going to be. And uh, again, no pressure, don't stress out about the, uh, the dressing old-fashioned. If you can, great. If you can't, that's okay too, but um, I think that'll be kind of fun for those who are able and wanting to do that. And then uh, we will be having uh, our pie contest a pie baking contest, and uh, we do need a few more pies, so if you are able to uh, do a pie, uh, Brother Clint, I, I 
need you to sign up, brother. I need you to make a pie. So and he's like, you do not want me to make a pie. But um, anyway, I, I, I'm going to need uh, about three or four more pies if you're able to. Um, that would be a great blessing. And uh, the flyers, I think, are still out there. And that gives you kind of what we're looking for. Uh, you don't have to make it nine foot. Um, that's uh, that's going to be a big pie. So uh, nine inches is what we're looking for, uh, if you would be able to do that. And uh, if you want to uh, submit yours for the contest, and you might as well. I mean, worst case scenario, you don't win, but you never know. Uh, you could be the dark horse. You could be the Cinderella story of the 2020 Cornerstone Pie Baking Contest, okay? So... Uh, the underdog of the century. I mean, it could be just this amazing story that makes national news, maybe even world news, okay? So uh, anyway, uh, that'll be uh, this coming Sunday, and then we do have the games uh, that we have a sign-up sheet for, and uh, several have signed up for that. We do need more sign-ups. Uh, it's going to be a not that big of a competition with like two people involved in one thing. So uh, we do need more people to be involved in that, and uh, uh, you could go ahead and sign up. Otherwise, we'll make you do it on Sunday anyway. All right, uh, the NOAA ministry, Hobo Stew Night, is coming up at the, uh, well, uh, October 23rd. It's a Friday night, 6.30, and uh, the details are in the bulletin, and I would encourage you to read those over when I get a chance. Am I forgetting anything? Is there anything you mentioned anything else? I think we're good. All right, we're going to go into our creation moment for the uh, night. And uh, this one is called uh, Chameleon Changes in Unexpected Ways. Psalm 7 and verse 1 says, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. And we're going to learn how the Lord has delivered uh, this particular chameleon. Evolutionary naturalists have predicted that a given creature should have pretty much the same strategy for strategy for dealing with any of the predators that seek it out. As our knowledge of the animal world grows, they are beginning to realize that they may have to re-examine their prediction. Researchers have now established that a dwarf chameleon native to Africa does indeed use very different strategies depending on the predator. And this is super interesting. Uh, the two main predators that the chameleon faces are snakes and birds. After observation in the wild, naturalists decided to test the chameleon's reactions to these two different predators under controlled conditions. So they captured some chameleons and then tested their reactions to a fake snake or a stuffed bird. Okay, when the snake was placed where the chameleon could see it, the chameleons turned pale and hugged the branch that they were on. But when the bird was introduced, the chameleon's color matched their branch, branch much more closely while hugging its underside. Further study led the researchers to see the wisdom of these strategies. You see, the snake looks up from the ground and sees the chameleon against the bright sky, and that's why it turns pale. But the birds look down and see the darker branches, and that's why the chameleon uh, matches the branch and the color of those leaves. And so that's why uh, they turn that color. Obviously, the chameleons didn't figure this out by themselves. God gave them, gave them these strategies for their protection. And so here's another obvious uh, example of 
the, the Lord's wisdom in his creation in those chameleons. Uh, if he didn't do that, I mean, again, this isn't a learn process. This was something that God put in them, and uh, that can only be uh, explained by the fact that God did that. And so here's another, here's another proof of uh, the fact that God created all that we uh, know in six literal days. All right, well, with that, we're going to go ahead and move to our children's memory verse. And so if we have any children, Andrew, could you be our dum-dum giver-outer? Okay, looking kind of smart. Cool people wear glasses, so I like it. I think it works. Okay, and death <laughs> and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found in written in the book of life was what was cast into the lake of fire. Revelations twenty fourteen fifteen. Yes, sir. Good work. He's got him there. This is the day which the Lord hath made, and we will we will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalms 118.24. Yes, sir. Very good. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire, and who, this is the second death. And whosoever that was not found written in the book of life was cast was cast in the lake of fire. Rem- Revelations 20, 14, 15. That's right. Good. Romans three twenty three. For all of sin come short of the glory of God. Very good. Exodus 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Yes, sir. Excellent verses. Very wonderful job, everybody. And with that, let's go ahead and stand together. We're going to sing our... Well, yeah, let's go ahead and stand together and we'll sing this next song, Take My Life and Let It Be. Hopefully this is one that everybody knows tonight, so you can sing with me now. So, here you guys. Take my life and let it be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee Take my more You may be seated, and we're going to go ahead and take up our evening offering.
And I do want to encourage our church family to be faithful in your tithes and offerings. And uh, thank you for your faithfulness thus far. But I do want to encourage us to continue on in that. And uh, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll have a special, and then get right into the message tonight. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give. Thank you for giving to us first your best, your son. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful to uh, be generous and to be a cheerful giver. And uh, Lord, I pray you'd use uh, this offering, Lord, to uh, reach this area and the world with the gospel. I pray, Lord, you'd bless the gift and the giver alike and uh, multiply and use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for everybody involved in the music ministry today. I appreciate your willingness to serve the Lord in that way. And uh, for those who would like to get involved in the music ministry, go see Brother Blake tonight after the service, and uh, he'll get you situated, get you going in that. Uh, but uh, Genesis chapter 48 is where we'll be tonight, Genesis chapter 48. And uh, as you are finding that and turning there, if you're able to stand uh, together, we'll read the first six verses to start with tonight, but we will... Uh, make our way through the entire chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 48, and uh, verses 1 through 6 is our text tonight. Genesis 48, uh, verse number 1, the Word of God says, And it came to pass, after these things, that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Joseph, or I'm sorry, Jacob, and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And thy issue, which thou begettest after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance." And Lord, uh, as we come now to this portion of the service, as we look into your word, I pray, Lord, you'd still our hearts and help us, Lord, to focus in and to listen and to learn and to grow and apply the lessons that uh, will be mentioned tonight. And uh, we'll thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. So just want to give us a little bit of review to bring us back up to speed again. I'm not going to start at the very beginning of the life of Joseph because that does take a little bit to go through. We may do that one more time as we kind of maybe wrap up the, the, the series. But, uh, but I just want to go back three weeks ago. That was the last time that we were in this series and uh, chapter 47. And uh, just to remind us of what we've been learning. 
But uh, in chapter 47, we saw how Israel uh, was presented to Pharaoh in uh, verses, uh, let's see, verse 7 of chapter 47, Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And, and, and in that, we were reminded and encouraged that when we are uh, going to meet someone and, and when we have a time of fellowship with others, that we go and not seeking a blessing, but we seek to be a blessing, and uh, that, that's what we're looking to do. And, and Jacob, in uh, going to see the king, uh, decided that he wanted to become a blessing, and the encouragement for us is to do the same. Uh, then we looked uh, in verses 13 all the way really through most of the end of that chapter about the, the terrible famine that, they, that, that continued there. In verse 13 it says, There was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. Well, Joseph, uh, being the guy in charge there, was uh, we saw as he dealt with all this, was wise, he was fair, and he was also very gracious as he dealt with the people during this time, during this time of great famine. And as a result, the people were extremely glad and thankful, so much so that they desired to serve the king. In verse 25, it says this, And they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants, and the encouragement there was, uh, we look to, uh, of course, Joseph was a type of Jesus, and we look to Jesus and how he saved our lives, we should respond like the Egyptians did here, where he, they said, uh, thou hast saved our lives, let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be the king's servants. We will serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords because of what you have done for us. We are so thankful. We're willing to serve the Lord. We're willing to uh, do what you want us to do. Um, and then we saw how Israel prospered during that 17 years that they were in Egypt. In verse 27 it says, Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And uh, we talked about the spiritual blessings that we have been blessed with as well as believers. And then at the end of the chapter, uh, Israel or Jacob realizes that his days are numbered, and so he wanted Joseph to promise to bury him in Canaan. And in that, we learn that while Israel was in Egypt for 17 years, Egypt wasn't in Israel. His heart continued to be back in, in the promised land. His heart continued to be uh, where it needed to be, and that was where God wanted it to be. And uh, in that, of course, we were uh, challenged to have the balance of while we're in this world, we're not to be of this world, uh, to keep our affection on things above and to realize that this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Uh, but also, while we're here, uh, we are to make an impact and to be a bright and shining light while we are here in this world. And so we talked about that last time, about three weeks ago, and that brings us here to chapter 48 in our text um, and so the title of tonight's message is The Final Blessings of Jacob. See, Jacob, or Israel, who is now 147 years old, okay, that's, that's getting up there in years. Uh, he's 147 years old, and he knows that he is nigh unto death, and he's about ready to pass from this life into the next. And so he decides to spend his final moments issuing some important blessings to his family. So chapter 48 and chapter 49 detail these blessings. Chapter 48 is really the blessings for 
Joseph's sons, uh, his grandsons, and a little bit to Joseph. And then chapter 49 details the specific blessings to each of the sons, including uh, Joseph as well, a little bit more to Joseph. Uh, but for sake of time, we're going to break this into two messages. You're welcome. Uh, so tonight, we're only going to focus on chapter eight, uh, 48, and the next time we'll look at chapter 49, and uh, we'll see if we can't get through that in one, one message. But uh, all right, let's go ahead and jump into this. And in verses 1 through 6, first of all, we see Jacob's bedside. Jacob's bedside. Uh, back in f- chapter 47, verse 31, the last verse of that chapter, it says, And he said, Swear unto me, and he swore unto him, and Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. And so he's still on the bed. He's kind of on his deathbed. It looks like he's about ready to pass from this life. And, uh, and, 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 but he decides to do some things here. He decides to bless his, uh, his grandsons in this particular chapter. Uh, before he issues the, uh, by the way, before he issues the blessings to his sons, he decides to bless his grandsons, and uh, that's pretty significant. So word came to Joseph in verse number one uh, that uh, dad was sick, uh, and it wasn't looking good, so let's uh, have our one last opportunity to spend time with dad before uh, he passes on. And so uh, verse one uh, he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. He's hoping that uh, Grandpa will issue some blessings um, and perhaps even to try to encourage his sons to see a man of great faith. Um, not always a man of great faith, but from time to time, uh, a man of tremendous faith and, faith. and he wanted to bring his sons to be able to see him as he kind of ends his race. Now, if you remember, Manasseh and Ephraim, both Egyptian boys. Um, so he, they're, they're, they're half Israelite, half Egyptian, right? And uh, they grew up in Egypt, and they probably dressed like Egyptians and talked like Egyptians and uh, just had the Egyptian culture about them. And so uh, Joseph thinks, hey, this is a beautiful opportunity to kind of show them grandpa and, and, and show them a man of God. And uh, so he brings his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And so verse 2, And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat up upon the bed. Uh, He wasn't, uh, he kind of was bedridden and uh, had to kind of straighten himself up and sat up upon the bed so that he was presentable and able to carry on a conversation. Well, in verse 3, Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. So a couple thoughts under this Jacob's bedside uh, portion here. First of all, I, I do see here how Jacob takes some time uh, before he gives the blessing to share his testimony of his encounter with the Lord. See, before he gets into the goods and blessings to share, and, you know, I, I don't know if Joseph was thinking, okay, what do we get? You know, I, I don't think that was his mentality, although uh, that's what was about to happen. But before that happened, he begins to talk about his encounter with the Lord in verses 3 and 4. And uh, he, he just simply says, look, God 
Almighty appeared to me at Luz, and, and he begins to explain what was said to him in verse 4. And so he shared the relationship he had with God and the promises of God to him and for future generations. And the encouragement here is for those of us who are parents and maybe grandparents, uh, and, and we think about what we can give our children uh, maybe when we pass from this life. Uh, before Jacob or Israel passed on any uh, type of property or any type of money or any, you know, uh, special baseball card that, you know, I'm going to, I bestow this baseball card to my son, or I, I give them my special hockey stick, you know. Uh, and so there is a special hockey stick I have that I might give them if they're really good, you know. So just so you know, I'm looking for whoever's the best kid gets that hockey stick. Um, and so, any, and, and it could go to one of you too, uh, down there too. So, yeah, whoever's the best one gets that. So before uh, Jacob decides to give anything to his children, first he talks about the importance of his relationship with God. And as we think about what we give our children, that's the most important thing we could give them, right? Is our legacy of our relationship with God. Uh, I want my children to know of my faithfulness and devotion for the Lord. I know it's not perfect. But I want them to, uh, to know that I was faithful and that I was uh, in love with the Lord. I want them to remember the joy that I had in Christ and, and the love that I have for others. Again, am I perfect? No. But I want, that, I want to pass on that godly legacy before I'm giving all the goods. And, uh, and, and for those of us who are parents and grand, grandparents, uh, let's make sure that we are uh, giving the most important thing, not just... Uh, money and property and all these other things that are temporary and and uh, will burn up someday, but to give them something that will matter for all of eternity, and that is our relationship with God. And that's what Jacob was trying to do to Joseph and to his grandchildren is, hey, I want to share with you my relationship with God. And so, uh, and by the way, these are priceless treasures that are far more valuable than any amount of property we could give or any amount of money we could leave them is our relationship with God, our godly legacy. And I want to try to encourage all of us to leave a godly legacy to our children and our children's children. So he shares his testimony of his encounter with God, but then we see the fact that Jacob actually adopts Joseph's two sons, his grandsons, as his own sons. Let's look in verse number five. It says, And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee into Egypt are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, which were two of his other boys, of course, Joseph's brothers, uh, they shall be mine. So he's basically saying, look, I want them to not just be my grandchildren, I want them to be equal with you and with the other brothers in uh, the blessing. And so I'm adopting them as my own. Verse 6, And thy issue, which thou begettest after them, shall be thine, and, and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. So they're going to take up my name, and they're going to have the same inheritance uh, uh, status than, than all the other brothers. And that's pretty amazing that Jacob would be willing to adopt these two boys into his own family. Now, they were 
technically already in his family, but uh, now he was adopting them as his own sons. And that, of course, reminds me, and this is certainly a picture uh, of what Jesus does for us, or God does to us, in adopting us in Christ. Galatians chapter 4 talks about this adoption process and this adoption truth. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 3, here Paul says, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. See, that means that, yes, I didn't belong to God's family, but through Christ, God adopts me into his family. And at that point, when I have been adopted, I am now made a son, and I'm just, I have the same uh, inheritance rights as an actual birth son. And so God says, to me who is in Christ, I have the same inheritance. Uh, I am an heir of God through Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter talks about this inheritance as well. In verse number 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. So we have an inheritance. What is this inheritance? Well, it's incorruptible. I mean, you may have some property coming your way. You may have some money coming your way, but that, that could burn up. That could be destroyed. But the inheritance we have in Christ is incorruptible. It'll, it'll never, it'll, well, let me read here. To inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and it fadeth not away. And it's reserved in heaven for you. And so when Jacob adopts Joseph's two sons as his own sons, it reminds us of what God does uh, to us through Christ uh, and how he adopts us into his family and gives us the same inheritance rights as someone who is uh, born uh, physically into that relationship, into that family. And so we see uh, Jacob's bedside in verses 1 through 6. But then we see, number 2, Jacob's bereavement. Jacob's bereavement. Look in verse number 7. And as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, when yet there was but a little way to come unto Epaphrath. And I buried her there in the way of Epaphrath. The same is Bethlehem. So you might say, well, why would Jacob decide to adopt Joseph's sons and not some of his other grandsons? Well, I think the answer in here, verse 7, kind of gives us a clue onto why he picked Manasseh and Ephraim. Because uh, Jacob, or Joseph and Benjamin were the only two sons of Rachel. Uh, Rachel gave birth to two boys. It was Joseph and Benjamin. And, uh, and here, uh, Jacob, or Joseph, I'm going to call him Israel, because that's a little, the J's kind of throw me off, because I keep mix, mixing, the two, mixing, mixing the two up. But uh, Israel, um, 
had several different wives, and Rachel was his favorite. And uh, Joseph was the firstborn out of uh, Rachel. And so that's why he picks those two boys to bless and to adopt into his own family, immediate family, as sons. Um, He definitely loved Rachel uh, more than the other uh, women that he had children with. Uh, He had a special relationship with her, and, and, and I think seeing his son Joseph standing there as he's about ready to, again, pass from this life into the next, uh, brought her memory back up in his mind, and he just had to talk about this lady that he loved so much. Um, why would, uh, why would, what was so special? Well, Genesis chapter 29 gives us a little insight why Jacob held on to those memories all those years. Genesis 29, 17 says, Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Remember, uh, uh, Jacob ended up working for Laban, and then he had a couple daughters, Leah and Rachel. And, and uh, Leah was the firstborn daughter, but Rachel was the younger, but she was the more attractive one. And so he's like, yeah, somebody else can have Leah. I want Rachel because she's the beautiful one. She's the well-favored one. And the Bible says in the next verse, Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee. Does anybody remember? Seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. So he served seven years for Rachel. They have this wedding ceremony. He takes this woman to his room, and, and uh, then he realizes in the morning that uh, there was a little switcheroo action going on here. Dad pulled a fast one, father-in-law pulled a fast one on me, and it's Leah that I'm waking up to in the morning. Not cool, Laban. And uh, it was a uh, reminder of some of the, the deceiving that Jacob did earlier on in his life. It was one of those consequences. It was one of those ironic uh, teaching moments from the Lord like, hey, we put the firstborn first around here, and you tried to circumvent that when you tried to get the blessing by deceiving your dad. Well, he goes and says, hey, this is not cool. Why did you do this? And he explained it, and he said, if you want Rachel, you're going to have to serve me another seven years. And he was willing to do that. Now, this is some lady um, to serve 14 years. I mean, I would totally serve 14 years for that woman there, and then some. Uh, but uh, Jacob was willing to do that. He was willing to work 14 years to earn her hand in marriage, and finally those 14 years were over, and finally he had his prize. He had the woman of his dreams. He had this beautiful and well-favored woman who he loved greatly as his bride. Well, then she had one child. Uh, uh, Well, I, I won't go into the whole story there, but basically... Uh, she was barren for a while and then ended up giving birth to Joseph. And then in giving birth to Benjamin, uh, she ended up dying while giving birth to Benjamin. Benjamin was born healthy, but, but mom ended up dying in the birthing process on the way to Bethlehem. And then he says that in verse number seven here. And so just kind of bringing this memory up in his mind and, and he's just struggling with missing her and perhaps even looking forward to seeing her again soon and knowing that uh, they were going to be reunited uh, together in, uh, in heaven. 
And I was thinking about this as I was looking at that and thinking back to those uh, perhaps even in our church, those of you who've lost loved ones who are looking forward to seeing them again, those who are believers. I'm looking forward to seeing my mom again. And uh, my mom passed away for those who, uh, well, you've heard it many, many times, but uh, she died when she was 44, which, by the way, I happen to be 44. And uh, she, she died at this age, a little bit older than I am right now, but not by a, by a bunch. And she passed away, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing her again someday. And, and I imagine that if we were going around the room and say, do you have a loved one, a grandpa, a grandma, a mom, a dad, a sister, a brother, someone, I think maybe even a wife, uh, who you're looking forward to seeing again someday. Um, here's some words that I just want to leave you with uh, regarding this. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 12. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring, bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord." Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Uh, one day, and uh, there was a group of Christians there in Thessalonica that Paul, uh, that were walking around so sad about their, peop- their, their loved ones who had passed away. And so Paul, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, wrote this passage to encourage them that, look, you'll see them again someday. Uh, they're not gone forever, and, and we don't need to sorrow as others which have no hope. We can sorrow, uh, but don't sorrow like you'll never see them again, because as believers, we have the promise that one day we'll be reunited with our loved ones who've gone on before. And in Genesis 48, verse 7, Jacob has a time of bereavement, and he's uh, thinking back to his lovely wife that he just adored, and, and he missed her. And uh, seeing Joseph and uh, just brought back all those memories in his mind and explains a little bit of why he chose to adopt these two boys. And so we see Jacob's bereavement. Then we, then we see Jacob's blindness in verses 8 through 12. And so Israel then be, beheld Joseph's sons. He he saw them standing there, but he didn't make, make them out. He didn't clearly know who they were. Because in verse 8, he sees these boys and said, Who's are, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, Well, these are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, Well, bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God hath showed me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. So Jacob here in getting old, and, and maybe it was hereditary because this happened to his dad Isaac as well, and that's how he was able to deceive him, if you recall that. 
But Jacob here is not able to see. And so when he says all this in uh, verses 5 and 6, he's talking about Ephraim and Manasseh. He doesn't even realize that they're in the room, but they are in the room. And so this shows that it wasn't just like, oh, I see these boys and I'm having a moment of, you know, nostalgia and uh, sentimental, you know, I'm just being real sentimental right now and and uh, I'm emotional. And so let's just bless these two boys. He didn't even know that they were in the room. And so this was a premeditated uh, blessing from the Lord uh, under the guidance of the Lord here. And so it wasn't an emotional decision as he saw them standing there. And uh, no real lessons for us under this point. Just, uh, just an understanding of the fact that when he blessed or wanted to bless them in verses 5 and 6 and adopt them, it wasn't like, oh, they're in the room and I want to, since they're in the room, I guess I better do something. It wasn't an obligation. It wasn't out of emotion. It was out of the, from the sovereignty of God that uh, he made that decision because he didn't even know they were in the room. So we see Jacob's blindness, but then we see Jacob's blessing uh, in verses 13 through 16. Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. And uh, before I just kind of go through this, I thought it would be neat to show you what this looked like. So, Brother Scott, we need somebody here who is close to 147 years old. So, Brother Scott Boubier has a birthday today, and so he's as close as we're probably going to get today. No, not really. But uh, being, that it's, being that you're the birthday boy, why don't you go, go ahead and come on up and bring your sunglasses because you can't see very well. So, there you go. And uh, he's, this is Jacob. This is Israel. Here, right this way, sir. Right this way. I've got you. I've got you. Okay, we've got a couple steps here. He's a little shaky. He's a little shaky. He's doing a good job. I'm going to have you come on over here. And so I need uh, an Ephraim and a Manasseh. All right, you two boys come on up. I already gave them a heads up, a warning that they're going to be up. And they're like, oh, great. Now we have to stay awake. Thanks a lot. Okay, and so I'll be Joseph. And so we have here two boys. We have Ephraim is the younger and Manasseh is the older. Now, typically, being that Manasseh is the firstborn and the oldest, he gets the birthright. He gets the blessing. And so Joseph knows this, and uh, Jacob wants these boys to come over so he, blesses, so he can bless them. Well, since I know that Dad can't see, I'm going to help him out. And so I know that where he puts his right hand is the hand of blessing, and uh, the left hand is the hand of not as great of a blessing. And so uh, I'm going to situate my boys like Joseph did, and I'm going to go ahead and bring them over. And I know that right now, if he were to extend his hands out, he would put his right hand on the older Manasseh's head and his left hand on the younger Ephraim. But here's what happens. In verse number 14, the Bible says, Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim. So he switches hands, and he does this number. Okay, boom. (laughs) Okay, they're playing Twister up here, all right? (laughs) Let them have some fun, okay? 
So, who was younger and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And uh, he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers, fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads and let my name be named on them. And... Uh, the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh. He said, hey, what are you doing, Dad? No, 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 see, this is the older and this is the younger. And so he, he kind of helps him out and like, Dad, you're 147 years old. Let me help you out here, Dad. Okay, well, <clears throat> here's, what, uh, here's what happened in verse number 18. Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn, put thy right hand on, on his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son. I know it. He also shall become a great people. So he kept his hands where he put them initially. He said, I know. I'm not making a mistake. I'm not going senile. I know exactly what I'm doing. Stop treating me like a little kid. <laughs> uh, I know what I'm doing here. And uh, I'm going to uh, bless Ephraim and not Manasseh. So, sorry, older one. Okay. He's asking if he gets the hockey stick. No, not yet. <laughs> you guys can be seated. Thank you very much. Uh, you need help down there, sir, Mr. 147-year-old? Okay. He's making, it, he's making his way down. Good. So that just kind of, and, and there are, he's on his bed and all that, but I just wanted us to see the, the crossover there because we can kind of skim over that. But his father refused, said, I know it, my son, I know it. He shall become a people, and he also shall be great, but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. So in this maneuver, Israel was acting like Israel and not Jacob. If you recall, as we've learned a few times through uh, this particular, or the life of Joseph, uh, God changed Jacob's name to Israel, but then after that, the Lord interchangeably puts the, word, the name Israel and the, and the name Jacob in, depending on how he's acting at the moment. And uh, when the word, when the name Jacob is used, typically it's because he's acting like the old Jacob, Mr. Deceiver, Mr. Schemer, Mr. Trying to Manipulate the Situation. But when the Holy Spirit puts the, the name Israel there, it's because he's acting in faith and he's acting like the Prince of God and uh, how he was a man of God and a man of faith. In this chapter, uh, his name is mentioned... 11 times, and nine times out of those 11, it's Israel and not Jacob. And the first two times his name is mentioned, it's in one in verse 2 and one in verse 3, both times are Jacob, and then the rest of the chapter, his name is referred to as Israel. And so as he does this maneuver, this little switcheroo, this unexpected blessing the younger over the older, he's acting as the prince of God. He's not acting like uh, Mr. Natural, trying to figure it out, trying to deceive everybody, trying to manipulate my own selfish way. No, he was acting 
uh, and moved by the spiritual man, not the natural man. And so we see Jacob's blessing, but then we also see Jacob's behavior in uh, verses 17 through 20, and we've already kind of read those verses. But uh, basically, Ephraim, as he blessed Ephraim, Ephraim did indeed become greater than Manasseh. You see, when the kingdom of Israel divided, remember we had the United Kingdom with David, I'm sorry, Saul, the first king of the United Kingdom. This isn't like England, UK. Uh, This is Israel, right? And uh, when they wanted a king, Saul was their first king. Well, then Saul, after Saul was David, after David was Solomon, after Solomon was Rehoboam, and then during Rehoboam's reign, the kingdom split and divided. And we have the northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern kingdom was called Judah. And the northern kingdom called Israel was also referred to in Scripture as Samaria, but it was also referred to as Ephraim. And when that happened, the very first king of the northern kingdom, Jeroboam, was from the tribe of, you guessed it, Ephraim. So God did bless in many ways, and Ephraim did become greater Uh, than Manasseh. And so as he made that uh, particular blessing, it was very prophetical as it came to pass uh, later on. So Jacob's behavior. behavior. (coughs) Then number six, let's look at Jacob's belief. Jacob's belief in verses 21 through 22. And so Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die. But God shall be with you and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. So it's interesting to me, and I just uh, saw this here, that God was mentioned at the very beginning of this encounter, this, this conversation with, with Joseph, In verses 3 and 4, he talks about the Lord. And then in verse 21, as he ends this conversation with him, uh, God is mentioned at the end. And why is that? Uh, Well, because the Lord is the first and the last. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the ending. And uh, Jacob understood that. Israel understood that it all starts with the Lord and ends with the Lord. And uh, and he believed that God would... uh, He also prophesied in, in verse 21... And he said, but God shall be with you and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. So he believed that God would bring them back up into Canaan, the promised land. And guess what? God would indeed bring them back into Canaan. Now it took a while. It took around 240 years. Uh, but uh, 240 years later, they would make their way back into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, who was, by the way, from the tribe of Ephraim. Coincidence? I think not, Uh, but Joshua led them into the promised land, and God did fulfill what, uh, what Israel said here in verse 21. Then Jacob proceeds to give the birthright reserved for the firstborn to Joseph. Now, was Joseph the firstborn of Israel? The answer is no. Reuben had that particular privilege. Reuben was the firstborn. 
But Jacob once again skips over tradition and grants the birthright to Joseph. And uh, the Bible says, uh, let me, let me uh, have you guys turn over to 1 Chronicles chapter 5. 1 Chronicles chapter number 5. We'll look at a couple verses here. And uh, I want us to see that the fact is, uh, Israel did, uh, while Reuben was his firstborn, he gave the birthright to Joseph that uh, Reuben deserved because of his firstborn status, but at the same time, he lost that status because of some sin that took place in his life. First uh, Chronicles chapter 5, let's look in the first two verses. It says, Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but forasmuch as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, and the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. And we see that Joseph receives that birthright here in Genesis 48 at the end of that chapter. But First Chronicles 5 clarifies that that's exactly what was happening here. And so why would, why would uh, uh, Israel give the birthright to Joseph and not to Reuben? Well, I know, because he was the favorite son. Well, partly so, but, but Reuben uh, gave that up when he did something pretty horrible. Genesis 35, verse 22, tells us what happened. It came to pass that when Israel dwelt in that land, that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard it. Okay, let me just explain who Bilhah was. Bilhah was the lady who gave birth to Reuben. And he goes back later on in life, and the Bible says, he went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard it. So he went and had immoral relationship with his mother. Now, when Israel heard it, it devastated him. And uh, as a result of that horrible sin, Reuben lost his birthright. He gave it up. Because guess what? Sin has consequences. Oh, I'm going to sin, and I'm still going to get all the blessing that everybody has. No. He gave it up when he did that. Because someone has once correctly said, and many of us have heard this saying, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you wanted to pay. And that was the case for Reuben. He thought, well, I'm going to... I'm going to have this sin in my life, and it's not going to be any big deal. Well, he lost the birthright. That was a big deal. Um, and so sin still has consequences even today, even, even in 2020. When it doesn't look like it does in culture, it still does indeed have consequences. Now, going back here to Genesis 48 and verse number 22, As we kind of wrap up this message here, I, he says, Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. Now, scholars are a little unsure what he meant when he referred to his conquering of the Amorites. There is speculation that he did this previously, although we have no record of it in Scripture. 
Uh, it's also possible that he could have been speaking prophetically about when they as a nation would conquer the Amorites as they take possession of the promised land later on, those 240 years later. It could be prophetical. It could be something that happened in the past that we just don't have record of in the Bible. But either way, this land that was given to Joseph as a birthright blessing was significant later on in the Bible. And I, and I, and I want to show you this, and we're, we're almost done tonight, but I do want to show you one more thing. John chapter 4, if you would. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. So this land that uh, Joseph received as the birthright blessing was significant in the ministry of Jesus Christ. In verse number 4 of John chapter 4, it says, And he must needs go through Samaria. Verse 5, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. So this land is significant here because in verse 6, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. We won't take the time to read through all of this, but for those who remember, uh, this is the passage where uh, the woman at the well and Jesus meeting that woman at the well who had had five husbands and, and the one who he, she was with was not her husband. And then she realizes that he's the Messiah. And, and uh, let's see, in verse number... Um, uh, oh, verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went, into the, went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? So she went and became an evangelist in that town. And then here's what happened in verse 39 of John chapter 4. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So... Uh, a lot of that town began to become Christians all because of the testimony of this woman who had uh, come in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ and, and her life was radically changed and she became an evangelist. And so uh, just a, a neat part of the, the, the story that continues on later on here with that land that was given to Joseph as a special birthright blessing uh, by Israel. So as this chapter ends, Israel is operating in faith, and uh, the encouragement for us is to also operate by faith instead of by human sight. Uh, not by sight, but by faith. Remember, without faith, it is impossible to please Him, but with faith, He is well pleased. All right, so as we wrap up this message tonight, several important lessons that we highlighted the value of leaving a godly legacy to the next generation, the amazing blessing of being adopted into the family of God. And if you're here and you haven't yet believed on Christ, you haven't been saved, I would encourage you to make the greatest decision of your life and be born again and make sure that you have a relationship with God. Make sure that you have been adopted in the family of God. We've talked about the importance of living by faith and lessons on the consequences of sin. Uh, the wages of sin is still death. Uh, it's not, ah, uh, well, it's 2020. I mean, come on. It ain't no big deal anymore. I mean, culture tolerates all this stuff now. It, you know, it, it's no big deal. It is still a big deal. God is still God. He hasn't changed. His word hasn't changed. 
And so what lesson do you need to learn tonight? What part of this message do you need to apply to your life? And so I'm going to ask you to make a decision tonight to implement what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about. The Word of God's not just for our information, although I hope we've learned some things tonight, but it's also for our transformation. The Bible's not just something to know, it's also something to do. So let's do what our memory verse says and observe to do according to all that is written therein. And let's have a word of prayer tonight. Lord, thank you for uh, this message, this uh, passage of Scripture, Lord, uh, that uh, we kind of figure out what Jacob's doing there as he's uh, wrapping up his life and trying to get those blessings passed on to the next generation. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn the lessons that we've highlighted tonight. Help us, Lord, to apply them to our own lives. I pray, Lord, especially tonight, if there's one here tonight that has not yet been adopted into the family of God, oh, I pray that they would make that, that decision tonight to be saved and to trust you as their Savior. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are, that you would help us to understand that you take sin very seriously, even in this day and age. And Lord, help us to live by faith and, and to understand that, uh, that a life of faith is what pleases you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us as parents and grandparents, Lord, to leave a godly legacy to uh, the generation to come. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would uh, just help us to apply the truth and to uh, not be forgetful hearers, but doers of the word as we go our way tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask Miss Pat to play through this first, uh, well, this chorus, Family of God, maybe one or two times. And as she does, I want to invite you to pray and, and uh, do business and make some decisions about what the Lord has pinpointed in your life. And I'll go ahead and be quiet and let you have a time of prayer. And let's sing that uh, chorus together, and I hope that you can sing it uh, sincerely, that you are a part of the family of God. And if you're not, I want to invite you to come and talk to me tonight and just shake my hand and say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm a part of the family of God, but I'd like to be. And uh, we can talk to you and, and from the Word of God show you how you can know for sure that you are your sins are forgiven and you have uh, eternal life uh, that will never be taken away from you. And uh, so come and talk to me. We'll be glad to settle that very most important decision ever. So let's sing this together and then we'll be dismissed in just a moment. I'm so glad I'm
Let's all stand together and we'll be dismissed. Uh, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for being in God's house, being faithful. And uh, the Lord will bless you for it. And I uh, look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. And if you need anything uh, between now and then, please let us know. We're here to serve you in any way we can. And we sure love you. And uh, thank God for the privilege of uh, being here at this church with you all. This is a great place, but more importantly, it's a great people that uh, we get to serve with. And we're thankful for the opportunity. Let's be dismissed in prayer. Uh, let's see here, Brother Rick, mask and all, would you mind uh, dismissing us in a word of prayer? Our Father, Lord, we come to you and we thank you for your mercies and your grace. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to serve you. Lord, we ask you here at our week, Lord, that you would just help us, Lord, strengthen us as we go out, Lord. Lord, just help us to be a light to those around us, Lord, that we would share your word, Lord, and that we would be able to, Lord, just be an encouragement to the people that are with us, Lord. Amen. Good night. Sure love you.